If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, one last time, like we did last Sunday morning, would you go ahead and be finding your way to the very last book, the very last chapter, the next to the last verse in your Bible, Revelation 22, verse 20. And let me show you one last time the last thing that Jesus had to say to us before that closing verse and the final punctuation mark and the maps were put into your Bible. Revelation 22 and verse number 20. The Bible says there, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Jesus said that he's coming quickly. And so what I want to do this morning, we started a last study last Sunday morning. I want to wrap it up today. And I want us to kind of finish up looking in broad terms an overarching view about what the Bible teaches about the second coming and the end of times. And I'm going to share with you this morning, again, what I believe the Bible says is going to take place in this world, on this world, and to this world when Jesus Christ comes again and how that ought to impact, how, how that ought to affect every single person in this room and, again, watching online uh, today. Now, you may be here this morning and you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, I've heard these things all my life. I, when I was growing up, a little boy, pastors would get up and preach these kinds of sermons, scared the daylights out of me. And Pastor, I've heard these all of my life, and Jesus has not come back yet. I mean, I heard that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago or more, and they said Jesus was going to come back soon, and he hasn't come back yet. Look right here. That doesn't mean he's not coming back. That just simply means that he's that much closer to coming back than he was the the very first time that you heard this message when you were a little boy or a little girl you say okay pastor what makes you so sure well last week I shared with you and I said that there are three reasons why I believe that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon first of all because Jesus promised it number two because the Bible prophesied it and then number three, because the signs predicted. If you remember, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said that just before he comes again, that there are going to be many who will come claiming to be him, that there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nation is going to rise up against nation. There are going to be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And Jesus said that when you see these things, and by the way, don't we see these things virtually every single day now? Jesus said that when you see these things, don't be deceived that these are the beginnings of sorrows. Jesus Christ is coming again. More sure than 2 plus 2 equals 4, more sure than yellow and blue make green, Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he comes, he will come visibly, he will come vengefully, and he will come victoriously. Jesus is coming again. And last Sunday morning, we started by looking at what I believe is the next event on God's prophetic calendar, and that is that snatching away. We know it in broad terms as the rapture of the church. And if you were here last Sunday morning, if you weren't, you can go back and watch last Sunday morning's sermon. But we saw that when that happens, when there's this snatching away, that it will be like, like, like a daddy yanking his boy out from in front of an oncoming truck. It'll be like a mama yanking her daughter back from a coiled rattlesnake. Jesus, the Bible says, is going to jerk his children out of this world before all hell breaks loose. And if you remember, we, we kind of divided 
this snatching away up into three parts last Sunday morning. Number one, we talked about the fact that there's going to be a resurrection. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. And I've always said that must mean that we as Baptists, we get to go first. The dead in, you didn't get it. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then after that resurrection, there's going to be the rapture. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And we saw there that there were, we've already seen this illustrated two different times in the Old Testament. You've got a man by the name of Enoch. And the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And so I've got a vivid imagination about how that's going to happen. Now, I pray that it's a sanctified imagination, but it is vivid nonetheless. And so, how many of you all, so I'm a, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, and I grew up watching Star Trek. How many of you all know where I'm going with this? Can I see your hands? And so, in my mind, that's going to happen a whole lot faster, but in my mind, I, I see it happening like, beam me up, Scotty. But we see this in the illustration of Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for, for God just took him. And then we even see it in the, the illustration of, in the life of a man by the name of Elijah. The Bible says that he went to heaven in a whirlwind, in a chariot of fire. And I love this. The Bible says that they looked for him, and they could not find him. And they're going to look for us. And they're not going to be able to find us. Where did they go? What happened? We don't see them around anymore. There's going to be a resurrection, there's going to be the rapture, and then there's going to be a reunion. And one of our sweet ladies said that she loved that I used that verse and shared that with you last week, again, out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it talks about the fact that we're going to be together. Because Paul said there, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds. And then he says in verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. The second coming, the idea of the rapture of the church and the second coming, if you're a Christian and you're right with God, ought to comfort you. It's called the blessed hope. And when you think about the fact that Jesus could come back at any moment, it ought to comfort your heart. It ought to bring peace to your soul. And if you're not right with God, that may be why you have the concern and the confrontation that happens. And whenever you hear a sermon about the second coming and the rapture, the return of Christ, you get all nervous and upset because perhaps you're not ready. And if you're not ready right now, I pray that I can help you be ready by the end of this morning's message. And so there's going to be a snatching away and we're picking up today at that second thing. After that snatching away, there's going to be a pouring out. If you'll go back to Revelation chapter 4, and you can just hold your place there, Revelation 4 down to about the end of verse nine, uh, Revelation 19. But if you were to begin reading in Revelation chapter 4, let me tell you what's going to happen. On this earth, after all the saved folks are taken to heaven, and God begins to pour out His wrath on a world that rejected Jesus. If you were to begin reading in Revelation 4 verse 1, all the way through Revelation chapter 19, here's what you're going to find. After the Lord Jesus Christ returns and snatches His children out of this old world and takes them to the judgment seat of Christ that will be, take place there in the air, the Bible says that there's going to be seven years of great tribulation. There never has been and there never will be another time like it. Jesus said in Matthew 24, Then there will be great tribulation. Say, say great tribulation. Then there shall be great 
tribulation such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time no nor ever shall be it's going to be the time of Jacob's trouble it's going to be a time when men will cry out to God for God to kill them and God won't let them die Satan will run rampant through this world but then just when it seems like Satan has the upper hand Jesus will come not with his saints or not for his saints rather like he did at the rapture but with his saints at the battle of Armageddon and with just one word the battle is over before it even gets started because the Lord Jesus will destroy Satan and all of his armies and I love what Adrian Rogers said what he thinks Jesus is going to say Adrian Rogers my pastor said he thinks Jesus is going to say drop dead and it's over before it even begins. There's going to be a snatching away. There's going to be a pouring out of the wrath of God upon a world who has rejected His Son. And then number three, there's going to be a reigning forth. Jesus is going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. That's where we get the word Millennium from a thousand years. Look there in Revelation 20, verse 1. The Re revelator says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more. Now, there are those who try to explain this away. And there are those who say that Satan has already been chained. And I was reading over the past weekend, uh, there's a great book. If you haven't gotten it yet, you ought to go. It's a classic by Charles Ryrie called The Basis of the Premillennial Faith. And there at the beginning, it's his dissertation. And there in the beginning of that book, he talks about the three main views. You've got the premillennial view before the millennium, before the thousand-year reign. That's what I believe. I believe I hold to a premillennial view of Scripture. And then you have the post-millennial view. And if you'll notice in any modern books, every, anything after, say, the early 1900s, you're always going to read basically this same sign, this same wording. Nobody believes this anymore. Because the postmillennial view is that the world's going to get better and better and better and better and better and better and better until Jesus just has to come back because it's already kingdom here on this earth. So you get the premillennial view. Things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes back. Postmillennial view, things are going to get better and better and better and better and better until Jesus just has to come back. And then there's the millennial view. The A negates it, means there is no millennial. They do not believe in a literal thousand year reign of Christ. And they believe, like Augustine did, that Satan is already chained he's already chained look, look right here if satan is already chained it's an awfully long chain because have you noticed how much trouble he's causing in the world today have you noticed how much chaos and confusion and problems he's causing in the world today now i do accept and i do admit that there is a sense in which Satan was defeated at Calvary. And I do acknowledge that there is a sense in which those of us who are Christians, we don't have to worry about the devil because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But here's the problem. He's still in the world. He's still active, causing all kinds of problems. And the Bible says there's coming a time, though, when Satan is going to get the longest prison sentence in history. And by the way, I pray he gets hard labor. 
I told the earlier service, what I pray God makes him do for a thousand years, I pray that God makes him take big rocks and turn them into medium-sized rocks and medium-sized rocks into small rocks and small rocks into itty-bitty-bitty tiny little bitty itty-bitty-bitty rocks. But he's going to be chained and put into the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Keep reading Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark in their foreheads or on their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years for the first time are y'all still there for the first time since the garden of Eden there's going to be peace on earth we're getting amen amen so we're getting close to that time of the year when Coca-Cola is going to put out that, that famous commercial peace on earth well, for the very first time since the Garden of Eden, there's going to be peace on earth. Why? Because the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, is ruling and reigning from His throne in Jerusalem. There is going to be a snatching up. There's going to be a pouring out. There's going to be a reigning forth. And in number four, there's going to be a settling up. Look in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and Him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 44, Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So let me do a poll here this morning. If we had time, I could go out on Twitter and I could set up a poll. And we could just take this poll here real quickly. But for the, for the sake of time, let, let's just do it old school. How many of y'all think that Jesus is going to come back during my sermon? Will you raise your hand right now? You think that Jesus really, with all your heart, you think Jesus is going to come back during my sermon right now? Now, I'm already ready for this. So if it were to happen, if it were to happen, and I'm taking up, if you are left behind, the notes are right here. You can just get finished up right here, all right? But really, how many of you all think that in the middle of this sermon, you really believe with all your heart, Jesus Christ is going to come back? Raise your hand. A couple of you. The greatest evidence to me that Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back soon and very soon is the results of that poll. Because the Bible says at an hour you do not expect. And so we've talked about the resurrection and we've talked about the rapture and we've talked about the reunion. We've talked about the retribution as he pours out his wrath upon a world that has rejected his son. We've talked about the reign, the millennial reign of Christ. I want to spend the second half of this sermon talking to you about readiness because here's the thing not everybody's going to be ready when Jesus returns now let me tell you who's not going to be ready I'm, you say preacher are you going to start naming names yes I'm going to start naming names get ready let me tell you who's not going to be ready the pagan's not going to be ready you say who's that that's the out and out sinner 
This is that guy that I met years ago on the subway there in Atlanta who had a black hat, gold letter, said pagan on the top of it. That's the out-and-out sinner. It's the guy who braggadociously, brazenly, boldly shakes his puny fist in the face of Almighty God and says, God, if you are up there, if you really actually do exist, I don't believe you exist, but if you do exist, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough to make me serve you. The pagan isn't ready to meet God. I'll tell you who else is not ready. The pious. You say, well, who's that? Well, that's the nice folks. That's the nice people. The self-righteous, those who think that the gospel, again, is for the pimp and the prostitute, the thief and the murderer, the alcoholic and the druggie, anybody, everybody else in the world except them. But you know what Jesus said? So Jesus said this. Jesus said to the pious people that lived in his day, he said that the prostitute and the tax collector were going to go to heaven before they did. Let me put it in kind of today's Augusta terminology. That dope pusher and drug addict down on Broad Street is going to go to heaven before a lot of y'all. That's what Jesus just said. You didn't like that, did you? But that's what Jesus said. Dr. Rogers used to put it this way. Dr. Rogers said, most of the people in America are egomaniacs strutting their way to hell, thinking that they're too good to be damned. Their biggest need is to see their need. If you think that you're going to be ready to meet Jesus without being saved, you're ignorant of two things. You are ignorant of just how sinful you are, and you are ignorant of just how holy God is. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. There are so many people in this world, and maybe even some of you all sitting here at 11 o'clock today, and you are counting on being a good person to get you into heaven. Look, look here. Most people have this idea. They view it kind of as a scale. And, and if my good works outweigh my bad works, then that means I go to heaven. But if my bad works outweigh my good works, that means I go to hell. Here's the problem. You ain't got no bad grammar. You don't have any good works. The Bible says that all of your righteousness is like filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. We don't have any good works. And not only that, Jesus said there's none good but God. So if you were counting on our goodness to get us into heaven, look here. If you think because you're a good person, because you try to be nice, you try to live right, you, you say your prayers, you come to church, you've dropped $20 in the plate every other week or so. If you think that just because you give lip service to the gospel, that some way, somehow, those things are going to get you into heaven. Listen, you can do all of those things times 10, and it's not going to merit you one square inch of heaven. Not one square inch. Jesus told a man named Nicodemus, a man who is better morally than any person in this room, including this preacher, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And if, if Nicodemus had to be born again, then you have to be born again, and I have to be born again. The pagan's not going to be ready. The pious person's not going to be ready. And the procrastinator's not going to be ready. Don't raise your hand, but how many procrastinators we got here this morning? There are some of you all sitting here today, you're not ready to meet Jesus. Now, some of you all are Christians. You say, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. I thought you just said that if I was a Christian, that meant I was ready to meet Jesus. No. As a matter of fact, I don't think a third of the people sitting in pews and chairs in churches this morning who claim the name of Christ are ready for Jesus to come. And I'm talking about saved people. 
Boy, he got quiet, didn't it, Brother Jimmy? Here's what the Bible says. 1 John 2, 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Are you ready to meet Jesus this morning? And again, I'm talking to Christians right now. Are you, are you ready? You say, Pastor, oh, I'm saved. That's not what I asked. I asked, are you ready to meet him? Because again, very likely, there are some sitting out there this morning that if Jesus were to come back, you'd break your neck trying to get up underneath a pew because you'd be embarrassed for him to come back. You'd be embarrassed to meet him right now. Some of you would go to meet Jesus without ever having led one single person to faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you all would go to meet Jesus with, 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 with uh, God's tithe in your pocket, with, with pornography on your computer, and with, with hatred in your heart. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. If you believe that Jesus Christ can come, could come, will come at any moment, I'm telling you, it's going to change how you live, breathe, and walk. You're going to live, and you're going to breathe, and you're going to walk like a Christian because he could come back at any moment people get all excited about the second coming but I need you to understand this morning it doesn't matter how how loud you yell how high you jump what matters is how straight do you walk that's what matters and the Peter says it this way Peter says therefore since all of these things will be dissolved what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Peter says all the things that we live our life for, all the things we work for, all the things we buy, all the things we insure, all of those things are going to be dissolved, burnt up. Boy, that'll change the way you view insurance, won't it? He says it's going to be dissolved. And so if you're here this morning and you're saved and there are some things that you need to get right, get straight, get out of your life, don't put it off because Jesus could come back at any moment. And if you're here this morning and you're lost, you better get saved right now. You say, I, I know, pre preacher, I know. Pastor, I, I know that I need to get saved because one of these days, I, no, Pastor, I'm going to do it one of these days. I'm going to get saved one of these days. What do you mean one of these days? Didn't Jesus just say that he's going to come back when you least expect it? Melly, if he comes back and you're not ready, it's too late. It's too late. God's Word says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Anybody in here, how many, how many of y'all live by your calendar? Can I see your hands? How many of y'all live by your calendar? Anybody in here, you use an old-fashioned pen and paper calendar can I see your hands yeah you don't lose those right now they don't beep at you neither but anyway but we spend so much of our time planning tomorrow how many of y'all already have tomorrow planned out can I see your hands how many of y'all already have the week planned out so why the Bible says don't boast don't count on tomorrow you don't know what day's going to bring forth and the thing that blows my mind as a preacher of the gospel is this. I can't understand how somebody would come and sit in a service like this, knowing that they're lost, walk out of those doors and say, well, boy, he sure preached the gospel this morning. You know what? I need to get saved. And one of these days I'm going to get saved. 
I'm telling you today that there are people in hell this morning who would give a thousand worlds for one more opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Pagan's not going to be ready. The pious not going to be ready. The procrastinator's not going to be ready. The phonies not going to be ready. You say, who are the phonies? Well, the phonies are those who have their names written on a church roll, but not in the Lamb's book of life. Now look, the devil would just as soon you go to hell from a church pew as he would a bar stool. How do you know you're saved? That's a pretty good question. You say, well, pastor, I walked down the aisle of a church. Good, not going to save you. Pastor, I shook your hand. I talked to one of the other pastors. Great, not going to save you. Pastor, I know the plan of salvation. The, the question is, do you know the man of salvation? You can recite the plan all you want to. The question is, do you know the man? I want to know, have you given your life to Jesus? And if you haven't, I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't wait another minute to make sure that I was ready to meet Jesus. I told this story in the early service, and I, then I asked out at West. I, I've told this story so many times over the years. I don't think I've said it lately, but if I haven't, you need to hear it again anyway. Absolutely true. We're on live stream now, so I'm not going to give names. My very first church, I was asleep there at our little house, our little condo in Brighton, Tennessee, and we had a, we had a phone. I know you young folks are going to not understand this. But we had a phone that was on the bedside table. How many of y'all have a phone still on your bedside table? And I'm not talking about charging your cell phone. That don't count. See, young folks, we used to have a phone that plugged into the wall. And it had this long cord. It always got knotted up. But it sat there on the bedside table. And so 3, 4 o'clock in the morning one day, I, get, I hear the phone ring. I'm lying in bed, sleep, mind my own business. And the phone rings. And I, I, I sit up, the phone's ringing. Somebody's calling my house, it's early. So I cleared my voice <clears throat> to make it sound like I've been up since three praying. And I answered the phone and I said, in the best preacher voice I had, hello. And I heard this young lady's voice on the other end of the line, and, and she said, Preacher, is that you? Now, I wanted to say, who else do you think it is? <laughs> Calling my house at 3 o'clock in the morning. And she said, Preacher, is that you? And I said, yeah, it's me. And she said, I hadn't missed it. <laughs> yeah. So I hadn't told that lately. So here's what happened. She woke up in the middle of the night. She looked over in the bed, and her husband wasn't there. You know where I'm going already, don't you? So she gets up. She waits for a few minutes, and she gets up, and she goes and checks the bathroom because that's where the guys go mainly in the middle of the night. So she went to check the bathroom. He wasn't there. And so she went out in the living room. He wasn't there. Went in his office. Not there. Goes into the kitchen over there by the door where he walks in. There's keys in his wallet, his boots are by the door. Opens up the door, his car's in the garage. 
She walks back into the kitchen, and all of a sudden, I'd been preaching a series about like what I'm preaching here on Sunday mornings right now. And, and she remembers something that I had said in the previous Sunday's message. Out of Matthew, where Jesus said, two will be in the bed. One will be taken. <laughs> one will be left. That's yeah, funny now. It's funny then. And that thought hits her, and she can't find her husband. And she drops into the floor and begins to cry. And here's what I don't understand. Why? Why in all that is holy, she thought, I'm going to call the preacher. She calls me, wakes me up. Preacher, is that you? Yes, it's me. Whew. I didn't miss it. Here's what happened. Her husband rolled off the bed in the middle of the night. When he rolled off the bed, he took the covers with him. He rolled up like a corn dog on the side of the bed. She gets cold, wakes up, looks over, he's not there, walks around the bed, doesn't see him, walks in the bathroom, living room, kitchen, garage, office, he's not there. And she has the thought, I'm going to check it, the preacher's still here. <laughs> True story. About two weeks later, I'm at the office, right, actually not, we didn't have an office, we had a kitchen. My office was the bathroom in my first church. It's a whole other story, anyway. And I'm in the kitchen, and the phone rings. Young people, we had phones on the walls. The phone rings. I pick it up. It's her again. And here's what she said. Preacher, I need to get saved. I said, that is amazing. That sounds wonderful. If you will drive up here. No, 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 no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I said, if you'll just drive to the church. No, I might die on the way there. <laughs> and I led her to the Lord over the phone, standing in the kitchen of the Gateway Baptist Church. Yeah. Amen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she could be ready. And I wonder if you're ready. If you're here this morning and you're not saved or you don't know, you're not ready. But you could be ready before you leave this place today. Right there where you sit, you could pray a simple prayer where you admit to God that you're a sinner and you surrender your life to Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, but there are things in your life, in your house, that shouldn't be there, in your thought life, in your heart, you're not ready. But you could be ready before you leave this place today. And here's the most important thing. It's like the old song says. People get ready. Jesus is coming.